Time for Jamie Dupree, the most connected man in D.C. on the Sean Hannity Show. You know, I just spoke to one of the nicest people in in education that I think I've ever spoken to in my whole life. Just one of the. I wish I could tell the story. I'm just it's so nice. I, I just I'm blown away because you don't always get. You know, sometimes you don't know if you call people out of the blue. And I just asked this guy a question, and and he couldn't have been nicer. I'm, uh, I'm, my faith has been restored as it relates to some institutions around the country. Anyway, Jamie Dupree is the most connected man in uh, Washington, and he's hey, with Sean. us now. Uh, uh, are you watching all that's happening? Did you see this expanded report by the FBI, Catherine Herridge's report, that inside the FBI, growing pressure to pursue the case against Hillary? And well, you know, you and I have talked about it a number of times. I mean, uh, the, the just a Justice Department investigation would be one thing, but the FBI investigation... You know, it's not to say that something will happen with it, because, of course, nothing is guaranteed. Like when Lois Lerner went to the FBI to try uh, try to get them to look at some of those uh, different Tea Party groups. But the mere fact that it's out there certainly does cause trouble, and it keeps the story alive in the press against Hillary Clinton. Let yes. me read a paragraph from Catherine Herridge's report. Inside the FBI, pressure is growing to pursue the case. One intelligence source told Fox News that FBI agents would be, quote, screaming, if a prosecution is not pursued because, quote, many previous public corruption cases have been made and successfully prosecuted with much less evidence than what is emerging in this investigation. The FBI particularly is on edge in the wake of how the case of former CIA director David Petraeus was handled. And it goes on from there. Now, the number of classified emails has risen to at least one thousand three hundred and forty. Add to that the new batch of emails that show that she was directing a subordinate to literally take off the classification from the email. And we will get one more batch of those emails before the Iowa caucus. I think January the 26th is the date for the final release of emails by the State Department. So there'll be one more batch less than a week before Iowa. Wow. So we got one more before Iowa. Uh, it looks like she and Bernie Sanders are neck and neck in both uh, Iowa and New Hampshire. Sanders is leading in New Hampshire. Yeah, certainly uh, some of the polling on uh, on that side has not looked that good for Hillary Clinton. Uh, and, and I think you you, you, st you have to start wondering, is Sanders going to win in New Hampshire? He certainly had some very good poll numbers there. And I don't think if, you know, maybe this is just an outlier, some of the new stuff that's come up. But if Iowa does get closer... Uh, you know, you, you you look at a much different race if Bernie Sanders is able to do well in Iowa, even if you lose by a close margin and then maybe win in New Hampshire. The problem for uh, Sanders is when you get further, uh, South Carolina is not has not been that good for him in terms of the polling. But again, momentum is such a big thing in these races. I think it's really underestimated by a lot of people, because if you can do well in the first couple of states, it really can give you a big bump later on. Yeah. And what's interesting, too, is we got the emergence of, uh, let's see, Trump now is behind Ted Cruz and Two polls in Iowa. Well, there were two that came out today though, that had Trump ahead of Cruz. In Iowa? In Iowa, yes. Oh. Including, including Which polls one, were they? I didn't see uh, it. Quinnipiac University, okay. which has never had Cruz ahead in Iowa. They still have Trump ahead. And uh, it was just by a few points. And then ARG, American Research Group, I think is the name of that, uh, they don't get as much attention. Their poll had Trump up by a couple. But what was interesting in their press release that ARG sent out, 
they said that the respondents uh, to their poll had volunteered that the Trump attacks on where Cruz was born, that that was having an effect and it was hurting Cruz in Iowa. You know, what's interesting about this is that Trump has not been going after Cruz in Iowa on, you know, issues. This is not like this is a, a spat between them over defense or immigration or economic policy or education, maybe a little over ethanol. But this has been pretty much all about the birther argument. And Trump really extended that argument for about four minutes at one of his rallies on Saturday in Iowa, hit it again today in New Hampshire. And, you know, uh, Trump, for, for all his attacks, Cruz has not been going back at him. I mean, in fact, Cruz has been blaming the establishment, the GOP establishment, for bringing this up, which really is not true. They're not the ones who are making these attacks on the issue of whether or not he's a legitimate candidate. But so at least one pollster has said that he thinks that this line of attack by Trump is working. Well, maybe that is it. But that's pretty interesting, isn't it? I, it yeah. To me, it's a non-issue. I mean, it's established law. I, I've read the provisions on the air numerous times. I'm... I don't of, find anybody here in the Capitol who believes that it's an issue. Yeah, I know. But I guess maybe, you know, Trump has been very effective in attacking, let's see, Carson and Jeb and, and Marco to a certain extent. I and mean, you sow the seeds about, uh, you know, somebody like Cruz that you can get, you know, and Cruz again. This is the thing. Uh, and, I, and I think this is partly why a lot of people here are confused, too, about the reactions sort of to Trump and to Cruz. I thought by now we would have seen negative ads much more a concerted effort both against Trump and against Cruz. But we haven't seen that. I'm starting to wonder if sort of the quote-unquote GOP establishment is making the same mistake that they made in 2010 and a bit in 2012 with sort of the Tea Party when they thought that maybe they could just sort of finesse them and get by them. And instead, a lot of the Tea Party guys were able to win and knock off incumbents and, and win races. And then in 2014, I think the, the GOP establishment finally figured out that you had to punch people in the face. And that was the way you did it. You went back to old time hardball politics. And they haven't done that with Trump. And so the risk is, of course, for both Trump and Cruz, is if you don't go after them, you win in Iowa, New Hampshire, you, you know, pretty soon you've got all the momentum and you're not going to be stopped. Look, I've, I know the establishment is working. There's been numerous articles Basically, they've telegraphed everything they want to do to Trump and Cruz. They want to crush them. They want well, to destroy them. If they want to crush them, they ought to act like it. They're not acting like it. Well, it's I, one thing to say it at a cocktail party. How much or money are they the spending hallway. now on ads against Trump and Cruz in Iowa? Not very much. Not any. Well, Hardly they, any. they had been at some point. I mean, some of these packs have been at least. Not the very, not the very campaigns. little. I mean, only it's uh, Club for Growth is the only one that's had anything big up. I saw a story about one prominent GOP strategist who said he was very willing to do an anti-Trump effort and that nobody wanted to come up with the money. They're all afraid. Yeah, exactly. That's hilarious. Now, talking about TV ads, I saw uh, this article. Was, I think it was in Des Moines Register. Who do you think is going to have, from January 1 to February 1, so that one month, last one month period in Iowa, which candidate on the Republican side is going to have the most ads on TV in Iowa? Probably Rubio. It's going to be Rubio. Yeah, now, I, that doesn't guarantee your win, but I think Rubio seems more and more to be making the, the necessary work in Iowa to make for a strong third place. I'm not saying he's going to catch Cruz and Trump or anything like that. He doesn't think so, but third there, and se he's now in second in two polls in New Hampshire. There's been a couple out today that had him floating around second, third, fourth. That's the one worry mm -hmm. point for Rubio is if well, you... Well, that's why he's fighting Christie. Yeah, and he and Christie, I, I bet, are going to go at it on Thursday in the debate a little. Because if you get in that mix and you don't finish above Christie and Kasich and Jeb Bush in New Hampshire, that muddles things then for Marco Rubio. Whereas if he can finish a strong second in uh, New Hampshire to Trump and do well there, then it might be a different situation. But again, enough of all this, you know, if then that, we've only got three weeks left till we have no. to stop. Now, uh, you planning on being the, the on the road in Iowa, New Hampshire? Yes, yeah. yes. 
Oh, so we get to go to dinner together, and you get if you're if you're there, I'll be there. Yes, you mean you'll actually ha- you won't? I don't do- usually go to dinner because you got to go cover events. Well, I understand that, but I mean you have to eat at some point. I don't care at if it's at point, McDonald's yeah. or Wendy's for crying out loud. But I mean <laughs> that's that's well, sometimes that's all it's on my expense for him. Yes. Well, sometimes that's the best food anyway because I don't ever eat exactly. Wendy's or McDonald's, and when I do get to eat it, I love it. I'll tell you, uh, the lesson I learned, it was the first uh, time I went up to New Hampshire, which would have been uh, the 1992 primary. Right. And uh, I just noticed that a lot of my friends and colleagues, they went out every night. And there was one night I decided, no, I'm not going to do that. I need to go do an extra event. And I drove over to Dover, New Hampshire, and went to see Bill Clinton and the Dover Elks Club. And it is a lesson that was burned on my forehead that night because that was where Bill Clinton gave his famous Till the Last Dog Dies speech. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things I know people who weren't there because they were out having dinner or are they, you know, taking it easy. And it's it's those little extra things that you gotta find ways to cover because there's just too many things going on and, and you don't wanna miss it. Sounds like a, a, a great trip. And it sounds like you have remember every detail. you see the difference between you and me is my memory doesn't work that way. You know, people will say to me, remember we went out to eat at that place? And I'm like, huh? What place? With who? Remember the so-and-so was there and you were there. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I don't damn well, I don't remember a, a word of it. I'm like, well, trying you know, it's not really interesting stupid. because you go to a lot of these places in Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina, for that matter, where you've been years and years, you know, over and over in all these different races. And you go to the same places, you go to the same venues, you, you know, you see, you can almost remember in your mind how big was the crowd when so-and-so was there. Oh, I remember when somebody else was here. So uh, to me, it's a really great way when you go over and over to try to see some of these things. And, you know, look, uh, as you look at the schedules of the candidates, a lot of them are just sort of ping-ponging back and forth between Iowa and New Hampshire. I mean, the debate this week down in Charleston, South Carolina sort of gets them out of that. But remember, South Carolina is not long after New Hampshire. Nope, it goes uh, very quickly, you've got next uh, three weeks from today, you've got Iowa. And what, four weeks from tomorrow, you've got New, New Hampshire. Hampshire. And then, then we have the weirdness in South Carolina. They have a split primary. Right. The Republicans are February the 20th. It's Saturday. Mm-hmm. The Democrats are the 27th in South Carolina. Nevada for the Democrats is on the 20th. Nevada for the Republicans is on the 23rd. Yeah. So, and that on, comes on the, re- on the Republicans, uh, there was this story out in New Hampshire today. Five people who were working for Ben Carson's super PAC up in New Hampshire quit and went over to volunteer for Ted Cruz. Just more, I think, more signs of trouble out there for Carson and just how difficult it, it has been for him to get things going. I don't again. understand how everything was unfolding. I, I, I've known Armstrong Williams for years. I've always gotten along with Armstrong. He's a great guy. And I just don't know. Apparently, he didn't get along with the people that were running the campaign. He was, I guess, an unofficial advisor for Dr. Carson. Yeah, well, sometimes the stories of these races for president are less about the candidate and more about the struggle for control behind the scenes. Now, tomorrow, State of the Union tomorrow night here. uh, Well, Ted Cruz will not be here. He is going to be in New Hampshire doing events there. I don't blame him. I'd be rather be in New Hampshire with him. Marco Rubio will be here, Rand Paul will be here, and Bernie Sanders will be here. So you'll have three of the four senators who will remain in the race will be here for uh, the speech. And then, um, uh, you know, look, I would assume, and, and a lot of uh, uh, you know, the signs have been there from the White House and from Democrats, the president will certainly throw a few elbows on guns and, uh, and more. 
as that the, the White House seems to be telegraphing is they they view the president as giving an optimistic address for the future. They say they feel the Democrats do that. The Republicans are being all negative and grousing about the future and everything like that. And the president wants to try to seize the mantle of optimism. I'm not sure that the Republicans would agree with that, but I think they do feel like they'll be chided publicly tomorrow over guns and more. Well, Jamie Dupree, it's going to get very interesting. I would say tomorrow we're going to have a, well, you might say a precursor of Obama's State of the Union, because I think I would rather watch reruns of To Catch or To to Make a Murder. Did you have you watched that series on Netflix? You know, listen, I interviewed a couple Republicans the other day about uh, what do you think? You ready for the speech? And several of them just on tape, on the record, everything just smiled and said, I can't wait for it to be over. It's the last time I'll have to listen to him. Listen to who? To President Obama. I got to be honest. That's how I feel. Don't you feel that way? I think eight years ago, you know, you got a lot of the sense it's that seven to eight year kind of thing where people in the opposition party, they've had it, whether it was George W. Bush, whether it was Bill Clinton, whether it was Ronald Reagan. They're ready for something new. Well, they'll get that come November. Yeah, it's getting very interesting. All right. Jamie Dupree, the most connected man in Washington, D.C. Jamie, thank you.